Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, a new year comes with new opportunity and new possibilities. Oftentimes, it's a time for New Year's resolutions. Any people make New Year's resolutions this year? Put your hands up. Come on, raise them really high. Yeah, you did? Anybody break those resolutions already this year? Those are my people right there. Let's do lunch afterwards. Resolutions really are about the future you. Now, you've maybe never thought about it like that before, but a resolution is about the future you, a possibility of the future you out there in the future, not exactly sure where, but somewhere out there in a future time, a future space, lies a better version of you. That's what a resolution is. We've always had resolutions, even as kids, we had a a type of resolution, but we started it with the phrase of, when I grow up, all of us have said this, when I grow up, blank, it means that out there, when I grow up, there's a future me that I want to be. Out there in a future space lies the person that I will become. Uh, When my son was five years old, uh, he came to me and my middle son, and he said, Daddy, uh, when I grow up, uh, Tatum, which is his older sister, he said, Tatum is going to be a queen, and she's going to let me be her servant. And which I, I got down, I was like, oh, my son, you can be anything you want to be. You don't have to be your sister's servant. And straight face, he said, but daddy, she's going to let me carry a sword. So in his mind, that was a win right there. When I grow up, it's unique to humans. Right? My dogs do not have a when I grow up moment. This This longing, I think, is placed in us by our creator. I think it's something God placed in us that we have this longing for movement into the future to know that our lives are going somewhere, that we have some type of traction to move us forward. We live with this craving for meaning and a destiny that matters. I think we all have this sense within us that there's a better version of me out there waiting to be realized, a better version of me in there, waiting to come out sometime in the future, a distant place, a distant space. But then, you know, we grow up and we kind of lose the when I grow up tag, but we still operate in an I grow up mentality. That even in our grown up state, the sentiment of when I grow up still exists. We don't say the phrase anymore, but the idea that out there somewhere is a future me that I want to be. We don't say it, but we think that when I grow up, sometime in the future, I want to be more disciplined. When I grow up, sometime in the future, I want to be less angry. When I grow up, I want to be a better mom. Or when I grow up, I want to be a dad who's more involved. When I grow up, sometime this year, in the future, later, you know, I, I, I want to be better with my money. I'm 40 years old, but I still say in my head, when I grow up, at some point down the road, doesn't matter how old we are, we still live with this when I grow up mentality, meaning someplace out there is a me I want to be. Well, we start a new series today called The Me I Want to Be. Uh, and there's a lot of places that I know that you can be, but few of them that have the potential that today and the weeks to follow will have as we present ourselves to hear the word of God. So let's pray as we jump into our first series of the year. Lord, uh, so much I think you want to speak to us today, and I think you want to release us uh, of some pressure and uh, oppression and lies that kind of we have bought into uh, in certain areas of life and regarding our spiritual performance, quote, uh, 
and what that looks like and how we function in that. And so praying that you would release us from some of that pressure and allow us to step into a new reality today. Holy Spirit, have your way among us and speak to us, speak over us, begin to transform and move us closer to who you want us to be. We surrender ourselves and yield ourselves to your authority and to your teaching. Lord, even as we partake in an offering here in just a few moments, we do so out of an attitude of worship, out of an attitude of placing you first, even over finances, and it's a way that we extend our worship to you. And so I pray that we would give in a way that's joyful, in a way of remembering that you are our provider. And we pray for your spirit to be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the me that I want to be out there in the future is this idea, this vision of this person. And I think for all of us, we, we kind of, there's this idea of the person out there uh, in, in the future, wherever that might be. And, and let's just call this the me I want to be. All right, we'll just ab- abbreviate that. And we all kind of have this idea, but then over here is this other person, and this is the me I see, right? This is the person that when I look in the mirror, this is the real me. Now, I know the me that I want to be is out there somewhere, but then I look in the mirror and I see the real me. Well, let's just make this more like me. I'll just give myself a fat gut there. There you go. That's more of me. And so this is our, our struggle is the me I see and the me that I want to be, and in between the two is this big gap, And most of us, we live in the gap between the me that I want to be, but the me that I actually am. And I typically know more of the me than you know of the me because I see the me that you don't see. That's true for all of us, right? And so we we have this struggle. Let's call this me that I want to be is me 2.0. It's the better version of me. And we enter into a new year, and we're all excited because it's a new year, it's fresh starts, and we make these resolutions. And really what our resolution is saying is that I'm going to close the gap from the me that I see to the me that I want to be, and this year I'm going to get closer to the me that I want to be. I want to be more forgiving, but I'm hanging on to a grudge, right? That's the gap. The gap is, is I want to be more disciplined, but I'm addicted to the snooze button, Right? I'm living in the gap from the me I want to be to the, to the me that I see. I want to move up at work, but my boss is holding me down. Or I want to join the gym and lose weight, but I love Krispy Kremes. Right? We're living in the gap, all of us. We, we live, we live from, from 1.0 to 2.0. We're all experiencing the gap in between them. You know, I want to be generous, but I'm swimming in debt. Or I want to get straight A's, but my professor is hooked on C's only. It's all what he keeps giving I want to be a patient mom, lovingly doing crafts with my children, but I have children. My children are keeping me from being the mom that I want to be. Right? I want to be a dad who's more engaged, but every time I come home, I'm exhausted and just, I just want to, to sleep on the couch. Or I, I want to be married, but I'm still single. I want to be happy, but I'm struggling with depression. This is the gap that we all live in. And we enter into a new year, and we have the me that I want to be and the me that I see, and we live in the gap, and it becomes exhausting. So I want us to unpack this idea a little bit. I want us to unpack and ask you a question. Who informed the you that you want to be? In other words, 
When you picture the future you, who put that image in your mind? When you picture the future you, who influenced that image? Who or what influenced the me that I want to be? Let, let me give you an example. One of the influencers in this would be culture, right? Culture has a vision of the you that you're supposed to be. And society will lay it on you very thick and very heavy, trying to get you to conform to the person, that culture, that society tells you to, tells you to be. And we're bombarded with commercials and ideas and people around us and billboards and, and culture has a vision for your life. But it's just not culture because some, some of us will understand this one. What about family has a vision for the future you? Anyone have parents who just like, they just, they just won't let it go. They're trying to still get me to be what they want me to be. And, and, you know, as a parent, I get it. Sometimes it's hard to let go of that. But sometimes family will have expectations of the future you. And they will do their best to get you to be the you that they want you to be. But see, there's other influencers on this. And this one can be a little difficult. What about religion? Especially religion that deals in guilt and in shame and in pressure. And religion has a way of weighing us down with ideals and standards and stereotypes of the you that you're supposed to be. My my, my point in all of this is when you look out into the future, who is it that influenced the me that you want to be? Because it's possible that the picture of the future you that you want to be was formed out of misinformation. It's possible for me, uh, it's, it's possible that the me that I want to be is not necessarily the me that I'm supposed to be. Let me say that again. It's possible that the me that you want to be was formed out of misinformation, and therefore the me that you want to be may not be the me that you're supposed to be. See, as a pastor, you have a vision in your head of the me that I'm supposed to be. And some people work really hard to try to get me to fit into that image of the me that I'm supposed to be. And there have been times early on when I thought, well, maybe the vision that you have of me is the me that I'm supposed to be. The problem is is that the moment that I uh, uh, give in to that, I actually forfeit the me that I'm supposed to be. And so all of us, we have this struggle that sometimes the image of the future you may not be the you that you're supposed to be. And sometimes life is exhausting because we are trying to be something and someone that we were never intended to be. So what, what, what if we kind of uh, shift from the me I want to be to something different? So over here is still right the me I see. And then over here, let's not call this the me I want to be, but let's change this to the me that I'm called to be. I know that's sloppy, but you get the idea. This is the me I'm called to be. Because sometimes the me that I want to be isn't the me that I'm called to be, and, and there's a difference. And this means, this means to shift from the me I want to be, if that image has been given through misinformation, it means that we stop living off of someone else's agenda and someone else's vision and someone else's purpose for your life, and you step into, or at least closer, to the future vision that God has for your life. Now, I know that's very trite and it's very simple, and we're going to unpack that and put some meaning to it today. But we still have a problem. 
even if we have, all right, so there's the me I see in 2018 and the me that I'm called to be, but I still have the gap. And what is, how, 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 do, I, how do I get through the gap? And, 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 and what exactly does, does that look like? And, and that's what I want to spend uh, a little bit of time today exploring. That if there's the me I see and then the me that I want to be, how, 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 do we, how do we typically work out that gap? Because here's our struggle. Our first thought is the me I see and the me I'm called to be, that the way that I shorten that gap is through my own effort. And our struggle is this, that we believe that the gap is to be bridged by myself, that if I can muster enough energy or if that I can gather enough heroic energy, I can close this gap on my own. And it leads us into a cycle that is actually very harmful to our spiritual well-being. And some of you, you will resonate with this. So there's the me I see and the me that I want to be. Here's what it looks like. The gap in our lives, that's not good. That's even worse. It's my son running AV, so we're going to blame him for this. So the, the me that I want to be, the, the gap that we see causes something in our lives that we call guilt. And, and we have this tremendous guilt because I know who I am, but I know who I'm supposed to be. And, and, and so our, our solution to that guilt is, well... I'm going to do what I've always done, and I'm simply going to try harder. And so I have guilt because of the gap, the me I see, the me that I call to be, and I'm going to try harder. And so what we do is we start a new program, or we go get a new book, or sometimes we change churches, or we start a new seminar that costs a lot of money, or, or it looks like this. You hear of somebody who has a prayer life, and, and they get up at, at, well, they get up at a crazy hour. They get up at 4.30 every morning, and they pray, and they just seem like they're growing spiritually. And so you decide, well, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to get up at 4.30 every morning, and I'm going to start to pray. It doesn't matter that you're not a morning person. As a matter of fact, your first conversation doesn't happen until at least after 9 a.m., right? Before that, it's only grunts and clicks and squeaks. That's, that, that's it. But you're thinking, well, it's working for them, and so I need to get up at 4.30 in the morning. But you're not a nice person at 4.30. No, it's worse than that. You're an evil person at 4.30 in the morning, right? Nobody likes to be around you at 4.30. Jesus doesn't like to be around you at 4.30 in the morning. But you hear of somebody else who's doing it, and you decide, well, it's working for them, and so I just need to try harder, and so I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I'm going to start to pray, and I'm going to experience the same, the same fruit that they're experiencing. And once you're in that for a little bit, you realize that it produces no fruit and no life change, and so you become frustrated, and you become tired. Because you tried and you put in your best effort and you were guilty and you tried harder this year. You swore that 2018 was a year you're going to put in a, a, a banner effort and you got frustrated and you became tired. And when the frustration became strong enough, you just decided to quit. And you said, I can't do it. And so you quit and you quit until the guilt builds up high enough. And once the guilt builds up high enough, you decide, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try harder. This year, I mean it. 
And so you pick up some new, new, new idea, some new uh, program that's going on, and you say, well, I'm, I'm going to try harder, and you try harder, and it doesn't work, and you become frustrated, and you become tired, and it seems like God isn't in it, right? And, but, but you're still working it, and you're tired, and you're miserable, and you hate it, and so it must be spiritual, but, but you're, you're frustrated to death, and you quit, and you become guilt piles up, and another year rolls around, and you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try really hard this year. But, but maybe, maybe this isn't it. You know, maybe this is part of the problem that we, we, we find ourselves in. Because I'm guessing this looks familiar to way too many of us. That this is the cycle that we have found ourselves caught in. Guilt, try harder, frustration, quit, guilt, try harder. And it just repeats itself. But what if there's another way? What if God's idea to move us across the gap does not involve guilt and constant frustration. See, the setting in John chapter 7 was the Feast of the Tabernacle. It's an Old Testament feast, lasted for eight days. It involved um, the temple priests going to uh, the water source with golden pitchers. All the people would follow them, singing, musicians are playing. They'd scoop the water up, bring it back into the temple, and they'd pour it out uh, over the altar. And, and it was a, a celebratory time. Uh, but then something very unexpected happened. Jesus was not invited to speak, but Jesus took some liberties because his father is God. And when your father's God, sometimes you just do what you want to do. My youngest son, when he was four years old, he got in trouble in his class at church. And while the teacher was giving him a, a strong lecture, he looked at him and said, do you know who my daddy is? Uh, Jesus had a do you know who my daddy is moment, right? He's like in this festival, he's like, oh, I'm saying it. Do you know who my daddy is? And so Jesus stands up in John 7, and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers, catch this, rivers of living water will flow within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's John's commentary on the spirit that was coming. Now, to thirst in Jesus' language meant to be driven by unsatisfied desires. To thirst in Jesus' language meant that you were discontent and you were frustrated at not living the life that you were meant to be, meaning you were caught between the me I see and the me that you want to be, but there's the gap in between. And what Jesus is saying is that I'm actually the solution for the frustration you experience living in the gap. And again, I know that's simple, but we're going to unpack it, all right? I think sometimes we make spiritual growth so difficult and, and so much a list of do's and don'ts or a new program or another book or an expensive seminar, but hear me, spiritual life, closing the gap, is not so much a list of activities you have to try harder at, but it's really aligning yourself with the flow of God's Spirit. What Jesus is saying is that if you come to me, I'm going to give you the spirit that will flow from the deepest parts of you. Life will flow out of you. And really, if we think about the me that I want to be or the me that I'm called to be in the future, we can just define that as life. Everybody wants to have a life that they're experiencing life, right? That, that, that they're, they're living in the moment and that life is, they're, they're, they're pulling out of life what, what, what they, they feel they, they should be experiencing. And Jesus says, look, if you come to me, my spirit will be released. And in the depths of who you are, the real you, life will begin to flow. 
And sometimes we make the spiritual growth or, or our spirituality so complex. But this is what Jesus meant in John 15, where he said, if you stay close to me, something's going to happen. Let's put that up on the screen. Jesus says, look, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, if you abide in me, something's going to happen in you that you will bear fruit. We could say it another way. What's going to happen if you stay connected? The gap is going to shrink. Not because of your effort, but because you're connected to the vine. Fruit is not your responsibility to bear. The fruit comes from the vine through Jesus himself. And so this, this idea that Jesus is breaking down, that if you stay connected, something will naturally begin to happen. Look how Paul says in Philippians 1. Right to the church of Philippi. Paul says, look, this is what I am confident in. And this is for your life, 100% money back guarantee. He says, I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you're going to have a chance to talk back to me. Do better than first service, all right? Who started the good work in you? Who's responsible for completing the good work in you? This isn't your project. See, this idea of closing the gap that we think, well, if I could just try harder, then the gap will be closed. And what Jesus and what Paul is echoing here is, it's not your project. You, if you'll stay connected, God's going to be faithful to move you from the person you see in the mirror to the person that he's called you to be. And your responsibility is just to stay close to the vine. And the rest of the movement isn't on you. The movement is on the Holy Spirit of God. See, this is what Paul says later in Ephesians 2.10, where he says, you are a workmanship, a masterpiece of God, meaning you didn't create yourself. You can't complete yourself. But if you stay connected, the master artist can continue his masterpiece. Listen, this is really good news for us, that God is more committed to you reaching your potential than you are. Let me say that again. God is more committed to you reaching your potential than you are. Many of us, we have stories where we would say, well, yeah, I left the faith. And what did God do? He threw a lasso around me and he pulled me back in. Right? He sought me out. Because he's more committed to you becoming the person that he's called you to be, even more committed than you are. That's good news. And God does this in a way that is unique to all of us. It's tailored to who we are as individuals. Listen to what John Ortberg says in his book, The Me I Want to Be, preaching out of that book. He says, God always knows just what each person needs. He had Abraham take a walk, Elijah take a nap, Joshua take a lap, and Adam take the rap. He gave Moses a 40-year timeout. He gave David a harp and a dance. He gave Paul a pen and a scroll. He wrestled with Jacob, argued with Job, whispered to Elijah, warned Cain, comforted Hagar. He gave Aaron an altar, Miriam a song, Gideon a fleece, Peter a name, and Elijah a mantle. Jesus was stern with the rich young ruler. He was tender with the woman caught in adultery, patient with the disciples, blistering with the Pharisees, gentle with children, and gracious to the thief on the cross. God never grows two people the same way because God is a hand crafter, he says, and not a mass producer. He goes on to say, and now it's your turn. He wants to do a new thing in you. The problem many people face 
face when it comes to spiritual growth is that they listen to someone they think as an expert, maybe the pastor of their church. Thanks, John. He says, the pastor of the church, talk about what he does or she does and think that it's something they're supposed to do. And when it doesn't work for them because they're a different person, they feel guilty and inadequate and they often give up. He says, trying to grow spiritually without taking who you are into an account is like trying to raise children on an assembly line. If you train an 80-pound gymnast and a 300-pound linebacker exactly the same, you will end up with two useless 190-pound people. See, the idea is that God understands who you are, how you're created in a unique way. And so when Jesus says, hey, stay connected to the vine, that's going to look different for each person because we are different individuals. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. That your job is to stay connected and his job is to bring fruit or to close the gap. And so the question is, well, then how do we stay connected? If God wants to be uh, ever present with us, we have to understand that because we are different individuals, different activities and practices will occur in, in, in that we will experience God in different ways for each person. So we're going to talk about spiritual pathways. We'll put a definition up there. I know this sounds new age, it's, it's, it's not, and you can do your research on it. Really, a spiritual pathway is just the way that I most naturally experience the presence of God. That's all that it is, and, and all of us have different pathways. So I want to break these down. Give me about eight minutes or so, and we will be ready to wrap up. Spiritual pathways, the, the way that I most naturally connect with God. The first one is an intellectual pathway. Now, for people on an intellectual pathway, they draw closer to God the more that they learn about God. And these are people, typically, they love to read, and sometimes two, three, four books at a time, right? They're always wanting to be involved in a book club. Mike Dink, he, he loves to read, he's one of our pastors. That man will read more books in a year than I'll read in a lifetime. He absolutely loves it. He's constantly asking me, well, let's read another book as a staff. I'm like, Mike, we just finished a book three years ago. It's like... <laughs> What else do you want? If, 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 if uh, uh, you're an intellectual pathway person, uh, you hear God best and you feel God best when you're learning about him and you love spiritual conversations and you love respectful debate and you need to be continually immersed in great books and deep thoughts and stimulating conversation and sound teaching and Bible study because God just wired you that way. It's your way that you stay connected to the vine. But there's another pathway. It's, it's a relational pathway. These uh, are people who they can't wait for church to get over because they just got to talk to someone. And for you to sit silent for the 30 minutes in this message, it's almost more than you can handle. It doesn't matter who you talk to. You just, you just want to talk to someone. And, and, and these people, they form relationships everywhere. Work, school, neighbors, long elevator rides. Everyone's your best friend. You rarely meet a stranger. Even telemarketers are a friendly break in the day. It's because it's the way that God's wired you. And you often have experienced key spiritual moments in your life while God spoke to you through a group of people. Now, if, you're, if, you, if this resonates with you and you're like, you know what, I do have a relational pathway, but you look at your life over the last six months and say, man, I have had nobody around me. That's why you're dying. It's because you haven't stayed connected to the vine, align yourself with the flow of the Spirit, because the way that God designed you, you've removed yourself from that pathway, from the the way that you most commonly connect and feel the presence of God. Here's another one, a serving pathway. 
On a serving pathway, people find that God's presence seems most tangible when they're involved with helping other people. They take Matthew 25, 40 to heart, that when you do it to the least of these, you're actually doing it to me, is what Jesus said. Mother Teresa is a great example of of this pathway. She said that the primary reason that she was so involved in serving the poor was because she never experienced the presence of Jesus more strongly than when she was serving the needy. It was her natural pathway that she aligned herself with the Spirit of God by stepping into serving people. And when she served, she experienced more of the presence of God. What about this one? What about a worship pathway? For those who have a worship pathway, something deep inside of you feels released when praise and worship is given a voice. And some of your most formative moments occur during times of worship. And if this is you, you just want worship to last for hours. But if you're an intellectual pathway person, you're like, one song is plenty. And the music. Right? It's not a knock on you. It's just it's God's wired us differently in, in this thing. And, and, you know, if, if this is your pathway, you need to experience ongoing worship on a regular basis or you will begin to spiritually wither and die. That's why you turned your car into a rolling sanctuary. There's always worship music going on. No one wants to drive with you because you scare them because it's got, hallelujah, your hands are never on the wheel. <laughs> right? But that, that's a worship pathway. But then there's also an activist pathway. And if you have an activist pathway, you have a high energy and passion for action and for social justice. And when a group of people hear about an injustice, they'll shake their head and they'll say, what a shame. And you'll say, let's take it to the streets. I got a poster board and a Sharpie in the car. Let's go and pick it. Right? Because there's something in you. That you're like, I feel the presence of God when I'm standing against injustice and you need a cause and you need to know that at the end of the day, I've made a difference. And if you're an activist and you don't have a cause, you really have not aligned yourself with the flow of the Spirit of God coming upon you. What is that? That is weird. Andy Stanley's talking to me through my phone right now as we go. So there's, there is an activist pathway. So if you have no cause right now, that's, you need to find a cause to step into. It's how you've been wired. Here's another one. A contemplative pathway. You love large blocks of uninterrupted time. I'm looking right at my wife. It's a contemplative pathway. It's not that you don't like people. You could just live without them. Right? contemplation comes easy to you. You crave silence and you crave stillness and you crave peace and reflection comes naturally to you and God is most present when distractions and noise are removed and if you get too busy and spend too much time around too many people, you feel stretched and you feel like you're beginning to die inside. That's not a knock on you. God created you in a way that you need to allow your time, yourself time for silence. And if contemplation is your main spiritual pathway and you have no time, you're dying inside because you haven't aligned yourself with the way that God has created you. God is most present when distractions are removed. Hey, the phone ringing is a source of anxiety for a contemplative type. But a relational type, they're thrilled to death. The phone's ringing. Who is it? Right? They're excited. A relational type, when the doorbell rings, they run to the door. The contemplative type looks through the people. 
And if I don't know you, I will not open the door. And sometimes if I know you, I won't open the door. Right? That's just kind of the way that God's created you. And here's the the last one. The creation pathway. Creation types find that they have a passionate ability to connect with God when they're experiencing the world that God created. And for people on this uh, this pathway, there is something life-giving and God-breathed about nature. Have you ever wondered why you can take somebody into a beautiful spot in nature and you're just like, this is, I could stay here forever. And the other guy's like, any video games around here? I got no uh, LTE right now. That's a little frustrating, right? It's because we're wired differently and that's okay. Hey, is anybody here a, a, a journaler? Anybody love to journal? Yeah. Have you noticed that people who love to journal make us that don't journal feel a little guilty? You know what I'm saying? I've noticed that. Hey, let's see. I, I tried to, to journal, right, because there was somebody who, who was journaling, and so I thought, well, uh, you don't need to turn this on. You can keep that up. And so I decided I'm going to go digital, and um, my first uh, input uh, journaling was June 7th, uh, 2006, uh, and my last uh, input was June 7th, 2006. So uh, it's just because, right, it's not my thing, but if it's your thing, you get it. You, you've aligned yourself with, with the flow of God, but for some it's not my thing. And here's some. If you're not a journal, don't feel guilty. Jesus never journaled. Hmm? There you go. Just leave that one with you. So this creation pathway, right? You, you sense the experience of God and the beauty of nature. A leaf dropping, a cool breeze, a heavy rainstorm replenishing the earth. And the monsoons come and, and you're, just, you're, you're just basking in the beauty of God. And the activist is like, stop the rain. It's flooding the plains, right? But, but it's beautiful to you. Here's the thing. The old way of thinking, go to, uh, well, just leave that. The old way of thinking of guilt, try harder, uh, frustration, quitting, guilt piles up, try harder, it doesn't work. This idea of closing the gap is, is not, uh, ultimately, is, is not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to align ourselves with God in the way that he has created us. And so if you've never figured out what is your pathway, there's, there's assessments you can take online that will help you with that. Just Google spiritual pathways. And to discover which is your primary top two. And then ask yourself, have I been allowing myself to function in that? And if you haven't, I can almost guarantee you that the me that you see and the me that you want to be, that gap is not shrinking. But if you've discovered it, and if you're allowing time for it, and if you're, you're giving space for it, the promise of God is if you stay connected, I'll finish the work I started in you. I will close the gap. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just stay close and let me do what I do. See, life is not restricted to a list of devotional activities. It's not just about do's and don'ts. It's about a new reality, doing life in the presence and the flow of God's Spirit, right? That's the Emmanuel principle. It means God with us, God still being present with us. And so discover what positions you to experience the flow of God's spirit, uh, spirit and make time for that. You are a unique person. Some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. Well, if you put an introvert into what an extrovert likes to do, they're going to go crazy. And if you take an extrovert and try to give them time for contemplation, they're going to hate it. But you can 
function and flow in the way that God created you. So my hope for you for 2018 is to discover how God wired you and how he wants to uniquely create you this year. Stand with me. Reveal, I can say with full confidence, that is the best sermon I've given all year. So, uh, join me. Let's pray. So, Lord, I know for some of us this is a little different for us. And, and, you know, some of us that are older, we grew up in that church uh, mindset that just said, try harder. And if you hate it, it means God's in it. And it, does, it doesn't work. It's, it creates frustration and exhaustion, and it really makes you feel so distant. But I, I believe that you've created each one of us in a unique way, and out of that uniqueness, you provide us a way that we can experience more of the love and the goodness and the presence of God. Just for some of us, we've just never stepped into it. We've never functioned in it. And so I pray that this is a year that we can step into that. Let us discover our top two and three and then begin to make time for that. And then I have confidence that you will do what only you can do. You will close the gap. And you will move us closer to being the me that I've been called to be. The me that we've been called to be. I am confident in your ability to do that. So I pray upon our church this year that it's a year of discovery and a year of positioning ourselves in the flow of your spirit. I pray that over each person. I pray a blessing upon each person this year to experience the depth and the width of the love of God. I pray for us that nagging questions regarding our faith would be answered this year. I pray for a clarity in vision. I pray for a clarity in the me that I'm called to be. And so whatever you have for us this year, We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Reveal, I hope you enjoyed the first Sunday of the year. We'll continue with this series. Hey, it's a great opportunity to invite someone. We'll kind of dance around the same kind of topics and look at the same same series. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. If you need prayer, come on up. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray for you. Blessings.